Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find written in the book of Revelation, the seventh chapter, beginning at the ninth verse. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces, and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. It is rather a blustery, cold Sunday morning, isn't it? But I hope that all of us who are here are glad that we have come to worship our God. I hope that you are relaxed and that you feel at home. Today, as I have mentioned, is the last Sunday after Trinity. That means that this Sunday brings another church year to an end. Next Sunday is the first Sunday in Advent, which brings in a new church year when we start to get ready for Christmas. Now it is the custom in many Lutheran churches in the world to set aside the last Sunday of the church year as a special Sunday in which the Christian dead are remembered, in which they are talked about. It is called Totenfest, or the Festival of the Dead. In this year that is coming to a close today, this church year, perhaps you have a vacant chair in your home. I don't suppose many of us have to go back many years before we all have a vacant chair. We're going to talk about our Christian dead on this Totem Fest Sunday. The text that I just read is very appropriate for the occasion. It is taken out of the book of Revelation, or also called the Apocalypse. It is written by John. John had a vision of heaven. John, you know, he wrote this about the year 96. Christ had gone back to heaven about 60 years before this. He had been banished, John, to the island of Patmos, located just off of the western coast of Asia Minor. And there John was given a vision, and John saw the Christian dead in heaven. And you may say, what did he see? 
John tells us that when he had this vision, he said, And after this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb. John says, I had a preview of heaven. I saw the Christian dead standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And that's why John would say to you and me on this Tilton Fest Sunday, he would say, don't weep for your Christian dead. Don't grieve for your Christian dead. Let this be your comfort. Let this be your joy. Let this be your happiness. That they stand before the throne and they stand before the Lamb. You and I may say today, if we've got a vacant chair, we may say with tears now, but John, uh, after all, what comfort is there in the fact that our Christian dead, that you saw them uh, standing before the throne and you saw them standing before the Lamb? And we may say, John, uh, we would like to find comfort and joy in the reality that they stand before the throne of the Lamb. But John, is that so wonderful? What's so marvelous? Are they happy, John? Are they really happy? Are they truly happy, those who have left a vacant chair? John would say to you and me today on this last Sunday of the church year, John would say, don't weep for your Christian dead. Don't cry for them. Don't grieve for them. And let this be your comfort. Let this be your joy, John says. They stand before the throne and before the Lamb. And John would remind you of me, you mean are they happy? John says, oh, they're infinitely happy. They are happy and more than that. They are happy and plus. Theirs is this. They are chock full of happiness without one teeny weeny bit of a tear ever to mar that happiness. John would say, do you want to know whether they're happy why, they are happy and still more than that. They are happy plus. They are happy and still something. Why, theirs is roses and roses all the way without a thorn ever again to bring a pain. Theirs is chock full of happiness. Their cup runneth over and without the slightest mark of a human tear. There isn't even a shadow, John would say, of a human tear that ever mars their joy. This is happiness plus. And we may say, oh, John, it must have been a wonderful vision. Tell us about it. You mean that they are not only infinitely happy, but it's happiness plus, that it's roses and roses all the way, that, again, they're chock full of happiness, and there isn't even a tiny bit of a tear, not a tiny bit of grief, not a tiny bit of sorrow ever to mar their happiness. And John says, I, I saw the Christian dead standing before the throne and before the Lamb. We may say, you mean happiness plus? You mean roses and roses all the way? And John says, yes. Because in the first place in the vision, John would remind you and me that Christ the Lamb before whom our Christian dead stand he is still called the Lamb in heaven. You know, there's a comforting thing here that sometimes we overlook. In heaven, Jesus is still called the Lamb. He came into this world, you know, God's Son. He came to be the Lamb of God, even as all the lambs, you know, in the Old Testament services, they were sacrificed, pointing to the time when Christ would come. And so God's Son, you know, he came into the world as a human being. 
and he came as the lamb, that is to sacrifice himself. And this is what he did on Calvary's cross for you and me when he bore our guilt and our punishment on the cross. And when he merited a white robe for every human being that would ever be born of a human being. And then he went back to heaven, this lamb, but he still called the lamb in heaven. Think of it. You and I may say, what's so wonderful about that? The reason why Jesus is the hero in heaven is because he was a lamb, because he was the sacrificed one who bore a white robe for you and me and for all men on earth. And the very fact that he is still the lamb, and therefore he is called the lamb of God in heaven, that means that, oh, why would we ever weep for our Christian dead? Why not be comforted in the thing that there's his joy plus why? Because having put on that white robe that he earned for them by faith in him, by putting their trust in him as their Savior and as the Lamb of God, they are eternally freed from the punishment of hell and they are eternally freed from everything that sin has ever brought into the world. John said, I saw them. And they were standing there, and John says, and one of the elders said to me, which are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? John says, the elder knew what I was thinking about. And I wondered, who are these in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to the elder, you know, you tell me. Then he said, one of the elders said, these are they which came out of great tribulation. Oh, you know, we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of heaven. They are those that came out of great tribulation to wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb. And therefore they stand before the throne of God. And then they also said, they shall hunger no more, neither thirst anymore. This is the picture of the Israelite in the 40 years in the wilderness, out in that desert heat. And I know something about what that heat is. And again, the elder says, they shall hunger no more, neither thirst anymore. Neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. All this is gone. You and I say, no wonder John says to us today uh, when we've got a vacant chair and we say, oh, we mourn for our dead. And John says, don't weep. Uh, don't mourn for them. Let this be your comfort and your joy. Uh, they stand before the throne and before the Lamb. They are forever freed from any punishment. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. They don't even know what a tear is. Theirs is joy that is absolutely unmixed with even a teeny weeny bit of a tear. They don't know what a tear is. God wiped all tears from their eyes. John says, you ask me if they're happy? Why, theirs is roses and roses all the way. They are chock full of happiness without any human tear. They don't even know what it is. There is no grief. There is no sorrow. There is no death. There is no pain. These have been wiped away. Theirs is happiness and even them some. Theirs is happiness plus. And we ought to say to ourselves today then that when we think of our Christian dead and we say, yes, there was a vacant chair in my home this year and there have been vacant chairs in the years that have gone, we ought to say, I'm going to listen to John as he shows us this vision of the Christian dead and I'm going to see to it that I'm not going to weep and I'm not going to grieve for my Christian dead. I'm going to have comfort and joy in this, that theirs is roses and roses all the way. And then we ought to say this morning, if I am a bit murmuring and a bit complaining, if I'm a bit disappointed in God because God took a loved one of mine, I'm going to stop it this morning. How many of us are a little bit bitter? 
because we don't understand. We say, I've got a vacant chair. Why, God? Why did you take, again, my husband? Why did you take my wife? Why did you take my little girl? Why did you take my son? Why did you take my mother? Why did you take my father? Are we just a, a little bit angered and a little bit, again, peeved at God? And do we murmur and complain? And John says... Don't forget, I had a preview of heaven. I saw the Christian dead standing before the throne and before the Lamb. You and I may say, but aren't they lonely? Oh, here's a tremendous stuff. John says, when I beheld, I saw a multitude which no man could number. You know, people talk about, oh, how few there are in heaven. John said, when I looked, I saw a multitude that no man could number of all nations and kindreds, that is, and all races and people and tongues, all colors and all description. And it was so tremendous, John said, I couldn't even count them. Oh, I know Jesus said that it would be a little flock and oh, a little be saved, but only in comparison to the entire human race. John also in Revelation calls them the 144,000, and that's a figurative expression. It doesn't mean a literally 144,000. Then you and I would say, oh, they must be lonely. There aren't so many there. The 144,000 made up of 12. There were 24 elders there. The 12, again, from the Old Testament, the patriarchs, the head of the, again, the various families and the 12 apostles representing the saved of the Old Testament and the saved of the New. The multitude, you multiply. Twelve times twelve gives you 144. And then the figure, the perfect number, is the cube of ten. Ten is the number of completeness, and the cube of ten, ten times ten times ten is a thousand. And that's the complete number. And so you have twelve times twelve, 144 times one thousand, gives us 144,000. This is the picture, the same of the unnumbered multitude. And so we can say, are they lonely? Oh, no, they're not lonely. It is a multitude, John says, that you can't even number. And therefore, we ought to be comforted in this. They are the ones with palms in their hands. This is, again, the symbol of victory. Why, they've got it made. They're already there. You and I have got death to go through. We're going to moan for them, and we're going to grieve, we're going to be bitter. Oh, we ought to ask God to take it out of our hearts and say, oh, we are comforted in this. They're a lot better off than you or I are because they're standing before the throne and before the Lamb. John says, you ask me if they're happy. Why, I saw them. God gave me a preview. And they are extremely happy. They are happy and even more so. It's happiness plus because their joy, it's just chuck full for them. Their cup runs over. Oh, again, it's roses and roses all the way, and not one little teeny-weeny thorn that would ever bring one moment of pain. Because John reminds us in the second place, as he looked, he said, and there was Christ the Lamb, and he said, the Christian dead, they adore him, and the angels adore him, and both for his salvation. You may say, what did John see? John said, it was a tremendous sight. I saw the Christian dead, he said, before the throne and before the Lamb, and they had white robes and they had the palms of victory, and they began to sing. Must have been a, it must be a wonderful chorus when they sing. And he said, and they were singing, Salvation to our God and to the Lamb. Salvation to our God that sitteth upon the throne and to the Lamb. In other words, thank God for salvation. The theme of singing in heaven is salvation. Salvation must be something wonderful then when the Christian dead stand before the throne 
and they sing of salvation which the Lamb brought. And then how about the angels? And John said, and there were the angels. Well, Scripture talks about 10,000 times 10,000, this host. 10,000 times 10,000 is 100 million. What a sight it must be to see 100 million angels around the throne. And then the elders, the 24, as it were, and they are also seated on the throne, is said in the book of Revelation. The 12 patriarchs of the Old Testament and the disciples of the New are representing the Christian faith. And the four beasts, that's a rather uh, too bad a translation, rather unfortunate. It doesn't mean beast. The word is four living creatures. Rather, a high rank of angels like the cherubim and the seraphim these four high-ranking angels, and before them 10,000 times 10,000 angels bowing down and singing amen and blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. The angels, mind you, singing of salvation. Angels didn't need a Savior. These are the 100 million that kept their first estate. They are in heaven and the theme of angelic singing Yes, salvation. You and I stand there with our mouths open and we say, what must it be to be saved? Oh, and we sometimes grieve for our Christian dead. And John says, why, they're before the throne and they're before the Lamb. Listen till they're singing. And if the angels who didn't need a Savior in eternity sing to the glory of the Lamb because he is the Savior, what must it mean to be saved? That's why we can say, John would remind us, don't grieve for your Christian dead. Let this be your comfort. Theirs is a joyful, theirs is chuck full of joy. There isn't one teeny weeny bit of sorrow. There isn't a teeny weeny bit of a tear. There isn't any grief. There isn't a, a tiny shadow. There isn't any semblance of any sorrow. It's unmixed. It is all joy. Because they're standing there and they're seeing the Lamb face to face. Remember how when Moses was here on earth, how he longed to see God face to face, and God said, you can't do that. I can't let you see my glory. If I would, uh, you'd die. And yet here are our Christian dead. They're standing before the throne and before the Lamb, and they're, they're seeing him face to face in the heavenly mansions. It must be tremendous. And here words fail, don't they? We say to ourselves, what is heaven like? When again, Jesus, we are told, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. When to go back to heaven meant so much to him that he was willing to endure the cross and to die for you and me that he could go back. It must be tremendous. No wonder scripture says, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. And so on Tootenfest, and we say we have a vacant chair and we grieve, we ought to say, John, I, I, I'm not going to grieve for my Christian. I'm not going to cry and weep. I, I'm going to find comfort and I'm going to find joy and happiness. But they are, as you have seen, they're before the throne of God and they're before the throne of the Lamb. Then when you and I cry, and so often we do cry, we ought to make sure that they're not tears of hopelessness. Sometimes people say, can't you cry when death comes? Why, of course you can cry. Jesus stood at the tomb of Lazarus and he sobbed. But again, there are different kinds of tears. Let's not have any tears of hopelessness. Tears of hopelessness 
Well, that shows a lack of faith, doesn't it? But all tears to be sure, you can cry buckets of tears. I'll never forget standing at the casket with a mother and her little daughter was in the casket, the only little girl she had, and, and friends were coming up and they were saying, I'll keep a stiff upper lip, I don't let this get you down. You know, some people say, I'm going to ignore death. I'm going to just act like, oh, what after all is death? We're going to keep the casket closed. We're not even going to look. Uh, we may have friends come and we may not. Uh, we may have a service and we may not. This thing isn't going to get me down. But listen, death is a reality. You can't laugh it off and you can't shake it off. It's there. It's just as much to living as life itself because death comes. And I stood there with the mother and everybody saying, don't cry. And she looked up at me so God forsaken. And she says, Reverend, can't I cry? And I says, oh, lady, cry. She broke down and she sobbed. I says, why wouldn't you cry? Oh, that loneliness. Oh, again. These aren't tears of hopelessness. Anybody's got a vacant chair in his home, you know what loneliness is. None but the lonely, no. Oh, and the tumult and the shouting dies and everybody goes home. And you finally you come home and you sit there alone and the loved one's gone and the whole house is full of memories. And every place you look, you see them. And you don't know whether you want to go into the bedroom alone and you turn on the radio and you play it loud and you turn on the television. Only those know who know what loneliness is. But oh, they're not tears of hopelessness, are they? When you have a vacant chair, you can say, but again, there will be strength for the day, the comfort uh, that when we shed tears, they are because we are lonely. And don't let anybody tell you you aren't lonely. But to know that it's only for a little while, these are the things that remind us that we are only strangers, we are only pilgrims. And again, it's only for a little while. And the Christ, the Lamb, he comforts, doesn't he? Oh, today we, we set it aside. We say, a lot of vacant chairs, and there have been a lot in this congregation as we look back, and we say, uh, John, you, you had a vision of heaven, didn't you? Over there on Patmos, uh, Jesus let you get a preview, and John said, well, I saw the Christian dead. They were standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And you and I would say, well, John, are they happy? John would say, are they happy? Why, it's roses and roses all the way. It's untouched by a human tear. There isn't one teeny weeny bit of grief. There isn't a teeny weeny bit of sorrow. Uh, there isn't even an inclination for it. Uh, there isn't a shadow of it. Why? Because John reminds us that as they looked uh, here where our Christian did, and he says they were standing before the Lamb who as the shepherd was leading them unto living fountains of waters. Oh, here was the shepherd who was putting his tabernacle over them. John said, and he was leading them as the shepherd, feeding them and leading them to living fountains of water. Reminds us of the 23rd Psalm, doesn't it? The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside the still waters. Here John says, here were living waters. And they were walking along. And again, the Christian dead are going with him. What's the picture? The picture is one of progress, of progression in heaven. Paul gets at this thing in 1 Corinthians 13, in the famous love chapter, you know, when Paul says, what's going to abide forever? It's going to even be in heaven. He says there will be faith, and he says in hope, and there will be love. Now, he says the greatest of these three is love because God is love. But he said there will be hope in heaven. This is the picture of it. John sees the Lamb, 
he's again as a shepherd he is leading the Christian dead to living fountains of waters in other words here is hope in the perfection of paradise in the father's house there are grand openings and advancements in great hope just above we put a man on the moon now you see we're exploring Mars we're reaching out and in the hopes that again we will find something and if we ever get to Mars we'll go out to a, another planet and in heaven here is the shepherd the great lamb leading onward beside living waters and therefore John says don't weep for your Christian dead don't grieve for them let this be your comfort and your joy John says why they've got it made there's why it's roses and roses all the way there isn't a, a teeny weeny bit of a thorn that ever mars it forever because theirs is the continual eternal joy of serving him day and night in his temple there's a beautiful expression they serve day and night in other words they never get tired once in a while you and i get weary don't we oh we get weary and we say god i can't go on but our christian dead day and night there's never any weariness in serving him and they serve from the greatest of all motives which is thanks and gratitude they are serving the land never growing weary and eternally grateful expressing it bubbling over thanks jesus and serving never weary oh these bodies of ours get tired at times don't they yes and then these minds don't want to work the way that we want them to work but our christian dead they never grow weary and in gratitude to the lamb they serve day and night in his temple a picture again of the real joy that is theirs as they stand before the throne of the lamb it's chuck full of happiness there is no grief so we ought to say to ourselves this morning i'm if i weep for my christian dead if there's a vacant chair in my house i'll shed my tears but i will not shed tears of hopelessness I will not grieve and pine but I will make it the first thing in my life that I want to join them I don't want to miss this great throng and the fact that it's a great throng gives you and me hope if it's so great that John couldn't number them then you and I could say there must be a robe for me there must be a white robe that I can have we may say but my robe is soiled Oh, I have forgotten, my Lord. It has gotten dirty. And oh, we can still wash it, can't we, in the blood of the Lamb. We've got communion this morning. And by means of lowly bread and wine, Jesus said, I'll give you two great cleansing agencies, two great detergents. I'll give you my body and my blood. And if you come in true faith and you want me to wash your robe, I'll take again my body and my blood and that body that will wipe out any spots and that blood will wash that dirty soil robe that you can stand with a white robe in snow and you can know that everything is all right and you can know therefore that, that you aren't going to miss it because then can be your joy that when you are reunited with your loved ones that you will feel at home Oh, we're going to see them again, aren't we? 
we're Christians. We know that ours are not tears of hopelessness. We know that John had a vision and they, they were standing before the Lamb. Oh, thank God that he's the Lamb. Will we feel at home? Oh, if we don't feel at home, it would be terrible, wouldn't it? I told you how the Duke of Windsor gave up the throne. She was the only woman that he knew that made her feel at home. It must be wonderful to feel at home, to feel wanted. And listen, when you and I get to heaven by grace and we've got on not a soiled robe but one that is whiter than snow washed in his blood, we're going to feel at home. Not only what we say, hi, mom, hi, dad, hi, sister, hi, brother, but we'll look at the lamb, and he's still called the lamb in heaven. And I think it's wonderful that when he was risen from the dead, he still had the five prints, the prints in his hands and in his side and in his feet. And I'm sure that when we stand before the throne of the lamb, not only will his face glow, but those five prints will remind us eternally that he is the Lamb, that he loved us so much that he died for us, and looking at him continually, we're always going to feel at home because those five prints, glowing, will eternally tell you and me, I loved you so much, I wanted you here. You are at home, and oh, God will feel at home. Let's walk the glory road today. Oh, today again, we see the vision through tears, but no tears up there. There's, oh, roses and roses all the way. No thorn, chuck full of joy, we can sing the glory road as we bring this year to an end. We can smile through our tears and we can say, yeah, there's a vacant chair in my home. But oh, we can go on, we can sing, knowing that they're singing in heaven and the angels are singing, and we can join whispering hope, Jesus, thy love is sweet music, sweet music to me. Behold, they stand before the throne and before the Lamb. Wonderful, tremendous, comforting. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding, keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.